Do you want to know who's the hottest president? Doesn't make you glow to learn sick cabello. reward you will learn if you spend some time with us we all dress like your dad and wear glasses we assure you it's not that bad with three dudes wearing flags my name is Gus, and I am wearing a coral-colored t-shirt. My name is Mitchell, and I'm wearing red, white, and blue plaid shorts and a shirt of no consequence. And I'm Evan, and I'm wearing a Wisconsin Badgers t-shirt. And we are three dudes wearing plaid. Every week on this show, we learn something brand new. The only catch is we have no idea what we're going to be learning about yet. How's it hanging, boys? Just hanging. Pretty low. It's which is good, I guess, if it's hanging. Like it's it's dangling down. It's within easy reach. You don't want it to be up up high. Nah, man. Then the, then it's like the the sour grapes. It's that Aesop's fable of the fox who who was just too short to reach the grapes. So then he decided that those grapes were terrible, and he left in a bad mood. And there was a moral, and I don't remember. Don't aim high. The moral was don't be short. Oh. <laughs> As as a short person myself, that is the moral of most stories I read. <laughs> the secret double meaning that none of us ever knew. Is every story about not being short, or is it just some stories about not being short? See, the thing is, most stories aren't actually about not being short, but I read a story where a character, like, gets something out of a high cabinet, or, like, sees something or somebody in a crowded room. Basically any human action that can be accomplished when you're taller than five foot four and I go <laughs> We need some we need some short representation in the media. More short kings. It's good to be back though. It's it's been a couple weeks. A lot has happened and also nothing has happened. That's the pandemic for you. A lot happens and nothing happens. Uh... It's gonna be fun to listen to this in the future in like five years and be like oh yeah that that was the thing i'm horrified by the implication that we're all just gonna sort of forget that this happened oh i totally think we are this is 50 percent of college yeah but like back during the 1918 flu pandemic afterwards a lot of people just like forgot about it and like didn't talk about it and it sort of faded into the memory because it was such an unfun experience there was also the matter of what happened just before the 1918 pandemic and also the matter of all the things that happened immediately after the 1918 pandemic i think i think there might have been the great depression the great war evan there was a big old war there was a big old war. There's a big old war. And then people got really into jazz for a bit. And then everything was sad. And then there was another war. The pandemic in 1918 was like number five or six on the priority list by the end of the 1940s. 
I'm scared of what will happen by the 19, or the 2040s. Ah, that's not real. That date isn't real. No such thing. The world's going to end before then. What a depressing podcast today. Well, you know what? Here's something that made me happy to cure us of... What made you happy? Mitchell and I went to the zoo on Monday, and we saw some white-cheeked gibbons, and they were so cool. Yes. That was that was an honestly a really good time. For people unfamiliar with our life stories, which you shouldn't be familiar with our life stories, because... That'd be weird. The three of us, before we started this podcast, we were friends, and then we all decided to take an anthropology class about monkeys together, and so now we're all just kind of, like, weirdly into monkeys and apes. And it's it was really cool actually seeing some apes in person. Shout out shout out to the the Roger Williams Zoo in Providence, Rhode Island. Those those gibbons were pretty dope. Going to the zoo in general is such a positive experience. I still have fond memories of my first grade class trip to the zoo. <gasps> yes, those were great. I loved them. They made us little shirts that had an animal on the front and we were divided into groups by animal and so we got to all see the animals that we had. Except we were the rhinos. And Roger Williams does not have a rhino. Big oof. That's so sad. They, they were like, use your imagination. Imagine, you see that elephant? Imagine it's a different pachyderm. <laughs> Are rhinos pachyderms? They've got to be, right? they got the weird skin. Well, funny you should ask. Rhinos, according to the International Rhino Foundation, rhinos have, quote, also been referred to as pachyderms. They appear to be ungulate. Oh, that, that, would, that would make sense. Although it still doesn't clear the water because on the dictionary definition for pachyderm, it says a very large mammal with thick skin, especially an elephant, rhinoceros, or hippopotamus. I'm on the Wikipedia article for pachydermata, which of course means thick skin from the Greek pacus and derma, which mean thick and skin, respectively. It's an obsolete order of mammals. It is no longer in use for biological classification, but it remains commonly used to describe elephants, rhinos, hippos, and tapers. Things that used to be classified as pachyderms include horses and donkeys. So we put horses and donkeys in the same fake classification as rhinos and hippos? That seems wrong. Yeah, I mean, all sort of classification systems for animals are kind of just our best guess. Yeah, yeah. Famously, a mammal is something with hair that produces milk, so a coconut is a mammal ah yes you got you got the whole diogenes plato dialogue where what is plato what is a man oh it's a featherless biped and diogenes came in with the plucked chicken going behold a man <laughs> evan evan's spot on you they are the rhinos are, are ungulates Un, ungulates i don't know it's giving me a pronunciation guide, but I don't understand the international phonetic alphabet, so I'm just going to go with my best guess. But they got they got hooves. Oh, so that does put them in the same category as horses. So it's like we we had them together. They declassified horses as pachyderms, and then said, "Wait a minute, pachyderms doesn't actually mean anything. Their back is ungulates." On, of course, the Wikipedia page for ungulates. I'm pretty sure it's ungulates from my limited knowledge of the International Phonetic Alphabet. They're divided into odd-toed and even-toed. So it's odd to me that they're considered toes, but sure. Also, oh my god, cetaceans 
are even-toed undulates, although they do not have hooves. So, like, what? orca whales are considered undulates. What? This is blowing my mind. So every single whale is technically an undulate, despite the fact they don't have hooves. They're specifically even-toed undulates, even though they don't have toes. Did they used to have even numbers of toes back when they had legs? I mean, they did definitely used to have legs. I'm looking at this dolphin anatomy diagram on the cetacean Wikipedia, and it seems like a dolphin had maybe three toes, although there's some- I think there's a little thumb there. So that's four. That would make sense as to why it would be even-toed. But like, undulate itself means a hoofed animal. Yeah. As a descriptive term, undulate normally excludes cetaceans, as they do not possess most of the characteristics of (laughs) undulates. No kidding. You know what? I've decided I'm going to pronounce it as ungulate. That way, if we're we're not all wrong, there's going to be one bio student somewhere, someone somewhere is going to listen to this and just be fuming with rage at how we're saying it. And I'm doing that also because I'm on ultimateungulate.com. I'm impressed because whoever made this, evidently, I think his name is Brent Huffman. This is clearly just an old web page, and you'd expect it to be super ugly, but it's actually like relatively pleasing to the eye. So you're like, oh, this is just a nice old web page. Got like this brown tan aesthetic. Uh, evidently, ungulata without cetaceans was accepted back in the past and then went with the definition change, which may or may not be connected to the whole pachyderm situation, pachydermata. They're technically grouped together, but this blog is like, this blog, which I'm considering to be the ultimate be-all and end-all of public ungulate knowledge. Brent Huffman <laughs> says, yeah, they're, they're mammals with hooves. All right. The, the true ungulates, artiodactyls and parasodactyls, which are... Two groups of large herbivorous animals equipped with hooves. I like that they're equipped with hooves. Like it's a weapon. (laughs) Someone outfitted them for war. Also, as someone who was very into dinosaurs as a kid, the University of Edinburgh's Natural History Collection has descriptions of the five now extinct orders of undulates. Oh my god. There's five whole extinct orders of undulates. That's so many. There's... Oh gosh, I'm not- Just go for it. Confidence is key. Okay, do you want me to list off the orders? Which one seems cool? This one is Order Condylarthra. They were found throughout Eurasia, North America, South America, and Africa, and they also reached Antarctica, which had a temperate climate in the early tertiary. What? So they were very widespread. Smithsonian Magazine, uh, Rachel, Rachel Neuer, blowing my mind in 2014, talking about temperate Antarctica. According to new research, the continent and surroundings used to be a much balmier place. And the climate resembled modern-day Californian coast, while nearby islands were more akin to Florida, as according to the Yale News. That's insane! And it was full of undulates. Like, I get it, it was a long time ago. Antarctica was just Florida, but instead of alligators, they just had hooved creatures. I have found one of the condylarths. He has a very long name. His name is Phenacodontidae is an extinct family of large herbivorous mammals. Phenacodus just kind of looks like a cool, fast tapir with a long tail. Whoa. Speed tapir. <laughs> tapir speed form. I mean, the, yeah, the, the image of them on their Wikipedia page is of several of them running through the savanna, and they sort of look like if you took a tapir and gave it a cross between hooves and paws, and like a cheetah tail. That is the ultimate creature. (laughs) You may not like it, but this is what peak performance looks like. (laughs) Dude, I love tapirs. They're so cute. Especially baby tapirs. Like, I get it. I think we all get it by this point. Like, baby animals are cute. Yeah, yeah. But baby tapirs, they're something else. 
They got the good little stripes. They're so good. The shape of the legs indicated that Phenacotus was a swift runner. Oh my god, cheetah tapir. That's so cool. Why is this not a Pokemon? Like, come on, man. Tapirs themselves can actually run pretty fast. They can get up to 30 miles an hour, which is impressive for basically a pig with a long nose. You wouldn't, I don't think, I don't think I would have guessed that they would be that fast. I guess their body shape just doesn't look to me like something that could go fast. Like, I'm trying to think why they would need to run fast. Probably to escape predators. They're just, live science, whom I trust, despite their egregious amount of ads, says most tapirs live in South America, from southern Mexico to Venezuela, Brazil, and Paraguay, with the exception of the one that lives in Burma, Thailand, and Sumatra. Like, woods, rainforest, mountains, grasslands, I can see you kind of just running across with your little snoot flapping in the wind. (laughs) Like in rainforest, do you need to run that fast? What what preys on tapirs? I mean, I guess it probably couldn't hurt to run fast in almost any environment. But yeah, yeah I would think there would be a lot of obstacles in the rainforest in a way that there wouldn't be on the prairie. Look, tapirs are preyed on mostly by wild cats and large reptiles, such as crocodiles, which don't seem very fast, but you know? I think crocodiles are actually, like, way faster than you would think. Dude, they are so fast. And I know this not because of any Googling, but because of uh, one of the 39 Clues books. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the fourth one in which they go to Egypt and they have to, like, do something with the Nile River and they get chased by a crocodile and they almost die and now I'm scared of them. The top land speed of a Nile crocodile is between 19 and 22 miles an hour. So like if you're getting preyed on by Nile crocodiles, you do need to be able to run faster than 22 miles an hour. Which tapirs evidently can do. Although we must we must acknowledge when we're talking about tapir predators on this the, on tapirs.org which is evidently the tapir specialist group in their article all about the terrific tapir tapirs in the wild do have large have predators as typically large cats though this effect on their population is tiny compared to that of human predation and habitat consumption which i think we all knew but it's still sad yeah yeah also just to clarify tapirs would not be preyed on by nile crocodiles jungle crocs because their their habitats don't really overlap no just to clarify <laughs> we we understand that the nile river does not extend into south america <laughs> <laughs> okay according to the san diego zoo a tapir nose is actually prehensile what yes oh like an orangutan lip yeah what's it for they use it to strip off the leaves from branches and eat. It's like a it's like a mini elephant trunk. That's amazing. Oh, also, earlier I was sort of mocking the fact that they're referred to as toes because they have hooves, not toes. Mm-hmm. But in fact, anatomically, a hoof is an enlarged toe. Well. Until it's apparently evolved essentially to walk on their toes to make their legs longer so they could run faster. There's probably some sort of like ecological pattern you could look at when there was more room to run and then they needed to go fast. Yeah, like open grasslands. This is, to be clear, this is from uh, UCMP Berkeley. Which is pretty reliable. And I mean, like, I don't think of tapirs or rhinos as fast runners, but horses are ungulates. Ungulates. Yeah, they're fast. They're so fast. And also their legs are so fucked up. Uh, Just anatomically, they're horrifying. Not as bad as giraffe legs. 
We saw those at the zoo. Bring it back. Giraffes are ungulates, I imagine. Giraffes are ungulates, yes. It was terrifying. It was like, oh, honey, please be careful. They're so small compared to the rest of your large body. Before we before we jump off the tapir train, I do want to mention, if we're going to, I, I we're talking about cute tapirs, and I instinctively went, there must be a, a costume. So I looked up child tapir costume. <laughs> and there's one that looks like a horrifying fursuit, which I'm ignoring. I mean, you find elephant costumes, you don't find much, but we do find is this amazing shirt. That has a picture of a Malaysian tapir, I believe. And it says, I'm a tapir in a human costume. And I think that's wonderful. <laughs> so we'll just get by two-day shipping. There we go. <laughs> Not to steer off the tapir train, but on Bang with an exclamation point, which is Oxford's graphically gorgeous science magazine. Uh, on their blog, they have an article titled Seven Facts About the World's Most Festive Undulate. <gasps> what is the most festive undulate? I clicked it because, of course, I was like, what What could be the festive undulate? And I didn't realize it meant in, like, a Christmas way. It's reindeer facts. Ah, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Ooh. No shade to reindeers. I just thought it was going to be, like, a brightly colored undulate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, this is actually really cool. A recent study discovered that reindeer eyes change colors to match the season. Their iris doesn't change, but their uh, tapetum lucidum, which we all know about, is the thing that reflects the light. Oh, yeah. It's blue in the winter so that less light is reflected out of the eye, and it's gold in the summer so that more light is reflected. Well, like, I get that a lot of student groups have quirky names. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find desperately right now and i don't know if i'll find anything but why oxford why is your science magazine just called bang if it helps the website is called bang science which oh not not better (laughs) i think it makes it worse evidently it dates it dates back to 2007 but like i don't want to dig through these archives you know what undulate i really like what's that peccaries otherwise known as javelinas or skunk pigs oh my god that's right they're just spiky pigs a group of javelinas that travel and live together according to wikipedia is called a squadron a squadron a squadron of javelinas averages between six and nine members this makes me so happy honestly i'm looking at a picture of this and i'm just imagining uh like like lord of the flies when they talk about pigs Mm -hmm. like this fits the bill i feel because they couldn't be real big pigs and also the last common ancestors of javelinas and all of the other even-toed undulates were, uh, quote, vaguely pig-like animals that lived over 50 million years ago. So these things diverged. Vaguely pig-like animals. I think I'm a vaguely pig-like animal. Baby peccaries are super cute. Are they, Evan? Are they super cute? They look like little baby cows. Oh, they do. That's really sweet. Um, by rubbing their tusks together, they can make a chattering noise that warns potential predators to stay away. I chatter to scare people away. Is that not what this podcast is? It's just chattering. <laughs> hold the, hold the, hold the phone. I am holding it. I'm on the, the NPS.gov, the, the National Park, right? National Park Service. Yeah, for the Grand Canyon. It's talking about javelinas. This says that javelinas and, and pigs diverged from their common ancestor around 37 to 34 million years ago in Southeast Asia. Interesting. Ancestors of today's javelinas made the journey over the Bering Land Bridge, eventually Central and South America. But which is it? I mean, it's possible that pigs and javelinas diverged from the other even-toed undulates 50 million years ago, and then pigs and 
javelinas diverged later. That's fair. Today, the Americas are home to three species of peccaries, according to the San Diego Zoo. There's the collared peccary, the white-lipped peccary, and the Chacoan peccary. Ooh. Honestly, just like pigs need to get a little more appreciation. I know they're they're not technically like pigs, but they are pig-like. They're vaguely pig-like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they need they need a little more. I feel like they've gotten a bad rap over the years. Yeah. They need some some good press. This is I'm sorry, did either of you guys watch Fetch with Ruff Ruffman as children? Of course I watched Fetch. Ruffman is a child. There was an episode where the kids on the show were tasked with making some good press for vultures because vultures get a bad rap. Mm. I think we should do the same thing. I think we should release pro-peccary PSAs. <laughs> PPPs? PPPSAs, yeah. Full disclosure, you're about to see some vaguely pig-like content. I wonder if they can find truffles. That's like, that's a thing. That's a good thing that pigs do. That's a good thing, yeah. Those super valuable mushrooms that are just in the ground. Oh, according to the Southwest Wildlife Conservation Center, members of a herd of peccaries slash javelinas will rub cheek to hip and then in parentheses, a javelina handshake. Aww, cheek to hip. That's adorable. That's really cute. I think if you guys are okay with it, I think I want to stop our venture into the wide world of undulates there because that's so cute. We'll leave, we'll end on a good note. End on a good note. A happy note. End on a javelina handshake. What have we learned today? Undulates are uh, hooved mammals. Except also maybe cetaceans, depending on who you ask. Maybe cetaceans, yes. Yeah. And they can have even or odd numbers of toes. We found out that pachyderms is actually an outdated term and things have been, like rhinos, have been regrouped into the undulate slash ungulate family. We discovered that undulates are evolved to run fast, and that's why they walk on their toes. Run fast, in, perhaps in the Floridian-like uh, Antarctica of the bygone days. <laughs> crocodiles prey on tapirs, but not Nile crocodiles. Pig-like animals are adorable. Hell yes. Thank you boys so much for coming on this wonderful undulate journey. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for inviting us. I've been Gus. I'm Mitchell. And I'm Evan. And this has been Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Have a great day. Next time on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. It gets real hot when you have a lot of fur. Or so I'm told. (laughs) That's real suspicious and I'm a little worried. Mitchell, Mitchell, you legally have to tell us if you're a furry. Find out next week on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. (laughs) 